Hello, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Mandy Hammond. I'm filling in for our Screen Strong founder, Melanie Hempy, today. I am so glad you are here. If you are new, we're excited you found us. And to all of our regular listeners, welcome back. So today, I am so thrilled to be interviewing our guest, Emma Lemke. Emma and a few of her friends started an organization called the Log Off Movement, which is a digital wellness organization based in Birmingham, Alabama. So what started as a group between between just three friends has now become a group of more than 70 teams from 17 plus countries. They have a successful blog, a podcast, and are currently developing a video series and a school curriculum that can be used worldwide. So I personally first heard of the Logoff movement and this amazing group of teens that were speaking out and standing up for their generation when our family watched the documentary, The Social Dilemma, last year. So a lot of you might have watched that. And if you haven't, you need to go watch it. But this was really at the beginning of our family's personal Screen Strong journey with our two teenagers. And at the time, we had one preteen. We had just taken back social media from our 15-year-old daughter, um, due to some major anxiety that she had developed. And we were hoping and praying that we'd see start to see some positive results with her. And unfortunately, my daughter's story is the same as a lot of teens today. They're dealing with anxiety and depression and all these mental health issues that are coming up. And what our family found is when we took away the social media and took a break and let her brain detox a little bit, she doesn't deal with that anxiety anymore. And it's beautiful to see her thriving again. Um, So there's definitely something to this topic of social media and teenagers. So I can't wait for you to hear all about it, all about Emma's story and her organization run by teens for teens. So welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. Goodness. I I know I told you before we got on, but I really am excited to have you. I think this is going to be a great podcast for parents to share with their teens. And um, I just think your story is going to be very relatable. So to start us off, Tell us um, a little bit about yourself and your story. You know, what made you passionate about this topic of social media and your generation? Of course. So, yes, as she said, I'm Emma Lemke. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. And my journey with digital wellness and social media really began in about the sixth or seventh grade. That's when I got my devices kind of delayed from a lot of my friends getting it in earlier grades. But I remember I was so excited to get on these apps because I experienced really, really bad FOMO. Um, I thought I was missing out. I thought I was, you know, not able to tap into this world of connection that my friends had been in for a really long time. The second I was allowed to get it, I got Instagram, which then spiraled into Twitter, Snapchat, and all of the other apps that were out there. As a lot of my friends and and family know, I have a generalized anxiety disorder and OCD, which, you know, looking back, that was not a great combination to throw me into social media at such a young age while I was also grappling with handling my anxiety and my obsessive thoughts. But at that point, I didn't understand that social media wasn't just a tool for connection. It was actually an addictive device that could pull me in and really make me feel more alone and more anxious. So after using social media for over like five hours a day for about a year or two, I finally reached a breaking point. I was more anxious than I'd ever been. I was completely conflating my value with the number of likes and comments I was getting. Every time I was out with friends, I was on my phone. And I was really just finding myself 
addicted. I, I had a very bad addiction, a, a phrase that at that point in my life, this was ninth grade, um, people didn't use it in relationship to social media. So I remember one summer day, I reached for my phone. It was that Pelovian response because I heard a buzz. And finally, something within me just broke. And I said, why does this device have so much control over me? I'm someone that values control. It comforts me. And yet in this relationship, there is none on my side. And that one question spiraled into hundreds more. And I began to just research. So I looked up social media's impact on mental health. And boom, I instantly found articles on articles explaining the scientific reason why I was more anxious on social media and why it was really triggering my anxiety and OCD. I found articles detailing all of these other teen experiences that were very negative on social media. But I also, the one thing I couldn't find in this huge vat of research and knowledge was a place for teens to go to to just talk about social media and how to use it in a healthier way. Because very quickly in my research, I realized this is a genie issue. You know, the genie's out of the bottle. We can't put it back in. There's no way social media is just going to be completely eradicated. So how do we learn to live with it, especially Gen Z, the members that have had it our whole lives? And how do we take back our relationship and turn it from a parasitic one to a mutualistic one? So I remember I just really thought that there was this need for space for teens to come together to have those conversations and to brainstorm ways to use social media in healthier ways and to destigmatize the conversation about digital well-being. But it took me about three years to finally put it into place. And I think that's partially due to this myth of hyperconnectivity on social media. You know, it's said that when you go on there, you're going to be connected. You're going to, there are so many followers and subscribers out there. But yet when I went on, I felt completely alone. I thought I was the only one in the world that considered social media to, um, as a harmful entity that really needed to change. But obviously when I launched Log Off and I finally had the courage to do it during COVID with a few of my friends, that, that narrative was completely different. Teens were flocking to us. We started, you know, with this idea of just our mission statement is we want to further um, conversations about the multifaceted nature of social media and promote the healthy usage of it. It's, you know, it's spiraled into a blog. It's turned into a teen leadership council that has 70 different members from 17 different countries. We have a female initiative we're working on, an LGBTQ plus initiative. We're working on a conversation guide. We just um, we're about to launch technically politics, which is our legislative advocacy. So we all of these things have blossomed from the movement. Wow. But yet again, it, it's taken only a year to get all these things in motion when I thought for so long I was alone. But in reality, there are so many teens out there that want to have these conversations. Um, and I'm just incredibly grateful and excited that this this idea and this passion to spread digital consciousness has been so well received by many different teens and so many people around the globe. And now we're at a place in the log off movement where we're really curating a space where teens can feel safe having these conversations and they can be empowered to be digital advocates within a society that necessarily isn't very kind to people who want to go against the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. Oh my gosh. That is so great. I got chills several times. <laughs> You're talking. I'm just so proud of teenagers who stand up against this because that's what it's going to take. Because, you know, those of us parents over here, 
who are, you know, another a generation ahead of you, you know, we didn't grow up with this. And so we're all navigating it the same and we're affected too. But our teenagers are the ones that are going to change this around and say, no, no more. We're not going to let this control us. So what an incredible story. Tell me in your, you know, chatting with teens over the past year or so, why do you think every teen wants the social media? You know, to parents like me, we're navigating this for the first time. We did not have this growing up. So we, some parents, and I did this at first, look at it as like, well, you know, you got to stay connected to friends, not realizing realizing there's an addiction. And then like you, you know, you get the social media and this is what happened to my daughter as well. And I hear it over and over again, that then they get pulled in and they start to feel bad, but they still don't themselves think it's a problem. So this is kind of a two-part question. Why does a teen want social media so bad? And then why can't they see the problem? You know, like that if we tell them, no, you need to get off this. It's hurting your brain. They go, no, I'm fine. What are you saying to these teens? Yeah, that's, that is a really, really good question. And one that I I had to explore and dig deep into, I, I still continue to find answers. So I think that that initial pull is just the societal influence and the societal expectation to get social media. I say this over and over again, but You know, if you look up someone or you walk into a room and you can't find a person on social media, there is just this implicit and weird understanding that that person, there's something wrong with them. They're the other. They don't have social media. And so many teens have social media. And that shouldn't be the case. People who decide to not have social media should not be seen as someone with a flaw or someone who has something weird that they're hiding. That narrative, I think, obviously should be completely obliterated, but it just really sheds light on the fact that there is this societal push and expectation within our generation to get social media. So that was the thing that really pulled me in. Another thing that I think really pushes people to come is that myth of hyperconnectivity. It's the idea that I can go on to social media and I can go on to Instagram right now and I can connect with new people. I can make a friend. I can um, see what my friends are doing. I can always stay in the loop. I can have this sense of never ending connection. When in reality, that's really not true. And I think that that ability to connect with people is really great at first as you're following your friends, like on the first day that you have Instagram. After that, you know, sure, you might meet a few new people. But in general, social media is not really built for that connection. It's built as this algorithmic machine to capture your attention. And again, I I think this leads into your second question on why do people want to stay? Well, it's because it's just this entity that is constantly there and asking for your attention. And it's a really, really easy way to just spend your time. So whenever I'm bored, whenever my friends are in an awkward conversation or they don't really want to be speaking, it is so easy to just grab the phone and ease back into this continual cycle. And also with notifications, it's like a gambling system. It's like a slot machine. Every time you refresh your feed, you could get a cool new post. You could see something that makes you laugh. And that that sense of, oh, what if continues to fuel this addictive cycle. And I think that that in conjunction with it just being a a good way to, or not a good way, but an easy way to just waste time and to spend time makes it a really, really dangerous environment for kids to just fall into and put hours and hours into the system and into just mindless scrolling. Me personally, again, I went on just because all my friends had it. I had this FOMO. I really wanted to, you know, make fun posts and do all of that. 
But I know for my other friends, it was more of a connecting thing. They wanted to gain followers. They wanted that sense of validation. So it really differs between teens. But I think that the common threads throughout all of those, it's going to be that societal expectation and it's going to be the ease and use when they get in those apps. Right. So how do you convince teens your age to take a break and not let social media take over and affect their mental health? What have you found to work in getting them to see kind of how you saw that one day where you're just like, oh my gosh, this phone's controlling me. How do you get a peer in your group to say, oh, you know what, Emma, you're right. What do I need to do? (laughs) How do you get them to that point? That cathartic moment is really difficult, but it, it makes all of the work put into, you know, spreading digital consciousness worth it. Because for me, you really have to, I've had to tailor conversations to specific people, to specific advocates, to whoever I'm talking to. Like for all of my friends, I'll say, you know, why, why do you feel the need to really get on social media all the time? Or I'll say, it makes me, you know, really sad or upset when I'm in a group with you and you're on your phone and you're not talking with me. Conversations like that, when approached from a really, really kind and supportive angle and light, makes the conversation much easier to have. Even though, again, naturally, intrinsically, it's not an easy conversation. But when approached through that lens of I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to help you see that you're not really connecting when you're on this app. Again, it can be an expressive tool. It can be used in great ways. But when used in an excessive, very addictive way, it it can be harmful to relationships around you in the real world. Having that angle and saying those things can be really, really helpful to allowing the people around you to understand their screen usage and also specific, like specific examples. And I, I say this when I am talking in general groups or to teens as a whole, the power of youth storytelling is amazing. I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've teared up or I've just been choked up by hearing conversations about families who have lost their children or loved ones to like TikTok challenges or um, just teens who have felt like they've lost themselves and their loved ones because they just became a shell addicted to something that they didn't know was harming them. Hearing those stories, every, every teen, no matter who you are, it really, it can touch you because I think hearing those, hearing those really upsetting stories, hearing the negatives of social media allow people to understand at least the possibility of being harmed on these apps. And that understanding and that consciousness will then allow teens to better tailor their experiences on social media to be healthier and more conducive to them. So for me, you know, I became obsessed with the followers, the likes. I wanted to, I felt this obligation to follow people I I didn't need. They didn't make me happy when I saw them in my feed. But for me, what it took is when I gained that consciousness, I went through and I unfollowed all those people and I set limits. I set just basic boundaries for myself. And now I feel like I can exist in these apps in healthier ways. So I feel like even if a teen decides to stay on listening to stories, understanding the possible consequences of being on these apps will better allow them to tailor their experience to in order to avoid being the next story. Yeah, wow, that's powerful and so true. And you know, with Screen Strong, we're really take the preventative approach with parents and we're really telling our one of our main taglines and hashtags or whatever is called, we say, it's okay to delay. You know, it's okay to delay the influences on your teenager's life. 
as long as you can, you know, and that's why, you know, a lot of the social media apps are rated what 13 and up, but even then that's probably the worst time for a child to get on social media, you know, until further closer to the end of high school when their brain is developed more and they're able to handle it. And they're able to say, oh, I need to set these boundaries like you have, you know, and you're 18 now and you can know that, hey, I've got to set these boundaries. I have to set these limits. When you're talking, it reminds me something that we say a lot too, is that our teenagers want to be rescued from this. You know, when they're in it, they want a reason. And as parents, you know, it's sometimes up to parents to kind of initiate that. But this is why I love this podcast is because I'm hoping you're going to initiate this for some teens to get on board too. So do you think, Emma, that it's possible for a teenager to survive and thrive without social media? Everybody else has it. You know, how are they going to survive? Tell me what that looks like to not have it and what, how awesome life can be. Absolutely. You know, when I, when I initially got off social media and I had that realization, I, I took a detox for about two to three months and it was one of the best experiences of my life. I've never felt more connected to the people and just the world around me. Now, keep in mind, I've, I'm back on social media. Um, I do it in a regulated way, which is just the healthiest experience for me. But I also want teens out there to know if, if people get to a place or if teens get to a place where they genuinely don't want social media and they have no need for it, living life without social media is one of the most freeing experiences you can have. Social media is not a necessary piece of life. It's just this artificial reality created. And when off it, I know a lot of teens have said that they just, they feel like they have all of this time to explore. I, I People I often ask, you know, what do you do when you're not on your phone? And there are a billion things to do, reading more. And genuinely, when unplugged, so many people, I think, can better connect with themselves. I, I say this a lot, but finding that digital balance for the individual is so important. For some people, it's going to be unplugging. And I know for teens that that idea is extremely daunting. It was really scary for me too to, to completely delete my apps for like those months. But explaining it and explaining and being very um, adamant in your choice to friends and family is one of the most important things that I think um, a teen can do. So if you make that decision to get off your device, being able to say, yes, I'm off because X, Y, and Z. For me, I'd say I am unplugging because I felt it was affecting my mental health and I need a break in order to regain balance in my life. Having that ready and being able to explain yourself with a confidence is extremely important for people to understand and also to spread digital consciousness to your friends. Because even comments like that spark thoughts and spark change in other people. So I'd say having that confident response, understanding that, you know, social media is an addiction. It can be an addiction. Therefore, withdrawal symptoms are completely valid. I went through terrible withdrawal after I, I went, I was just grabbing for things that I thought were my phone. Being okay with that and accepting it and accepting that, you know, you're going through a process and that it's going to be difficult at some points when your friends are on phones. And it's going to be difficult when, you know, people around you want to take a picture just for social media. But truly being confident and understanding why you are on this unplugging journey, I think makes the process so worth it. Because if you are confident, if you're very just able and willing to spread that message of why you're off and why you're doing this, 
it can be really powerful to the people around you and just empowering to yourself. Um, so that's what I'd say to anyone who's willing to make that jump. But again, I completely understand in high school, it just being and in middle school, um, it being extremely difficult and daunting to take that leap to begin with, just because of that societal push and expectation. But once you have a confident response and just answer to why you're doing it, it, it turns into armor and it, it can really protect you when you feel alone and when you feel like you have to explain yourself to others. I love that what you just said, that when you have this response ready, it turns into armor. That is a powerful statement. That is a powerful statement. Because I think a lot of times too, social media is used as this coping mechanism. It's what we, you know, teens are hiding behind, you know, when things get hard. And how cool to say, no, I'm going to stand up to this and do better for myself. And this is why. And that's going to turn into your armor to protect you from those things that you were running from before. I love that. So good. Okay. So kind of, we're kind of wrapping up. I've got just a couple more questions for you. I saw on your website that you have a digital challenge for teens. How does this work? Yes. Um, so very early in the log off, you know, Genesis, we partnered with the GEM medical research team in India because they had been working really hard on this digital challenge to encourage, you know, taking breaks and taking detoxes from social media. So we partnered with them. We adapted their challenge to our website. And it's really, really, a really, really beautiful process, in my opinion. So it's designed to allow each individual to take their own detox or digital challenge at their own pace. So if someone wants to detox for a few days, they can. If they want to unplug from social media for a week, they can. And it's all separated by, you know, steps, leaps, um, and different, you know, categories of how large and how small the unplugging activity is. So basically what we've done is we provide users with different activities and different ways to engage when not on the phone. Because again, it's really um, interesting to me just whenever I tell people, you know, you know, you can unplug, there are other things that you can do with your time. The, the one question is like, what can I do? I thought that that was really funny because there's so many things. So the first thing we have is the steps. And for steps, it's like, go outside and play, take care of yourself food for the brain, solve a Rubik's cube, yeah. small things like that really work to build better habits and patterns. Like I know for me, I got an embroidery kit and I started a new hobby and that kind of built, well, one, it started a passion for me. I love embroidery now, but also it showed me that I can do something and I can make something and have a great product that it was completely isolated and removed from technology and social media. And then after they're the ladders. So you can like make a card for a veteran, volunteer, cook a family dinner. And then at the end, there are the leaps, which is you can journal, learn a new language, learn a new hobby, like practice a sport, bigger things like that. So what we do is we encourage people to either do like a three day challenge, a seven day challenge, 21 day challenge. And with those challenges, you know, it says like complete three steps, complete three steps in a ladder, complete 10 steps in one ladder. But again, the main thing that we really want to hone in on is a challenge, a digital detox challenge is completely based on the individual. So if someone wants to try that challenge with their friends or they want to take it on their own, you know, feel free to tailor it to however comfortable you are with taking a step back. 
But I think the main goal of that challenge is just to really encourage people to explore the world and themselves. There's so much that can be found when when taking a step back from social media and screens. And I think that this digital challenge really allows people to do just that. Oh, that's so great. I love that. Now, we it's funny because we have a challenge, a seven-day detox called the Screen Strong Challenge, more tailored towards parents and doing a detox for their kids, toddlers, teens. But I love this because it gives teens an opportunity to have some material to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do for myself, you know, the ones that aren't hopping on board. So this is so great. I'm so great that they're glad that that is a resource that you offer. Okay, so just kind of finishing up here, what advice, you know, our audience is going to be a lot of parents on here. And so I'm wondering what your advice is to parents. We try to empower them and encourage them through sharing and educating with the brain science and why delaying is the best option to giving kids access, you know, to the internet in their pocket and even worse, social media. So what advice would you give to parents who have kids that are begging them for Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok from a teen who's been affected by social media and that started this movement? What would you say to these parents? Yeah. And that's, again, a wonderful question. And I wish more than anything, when I was in sixth grade, someone would have said to me, the begging child that I was for all these apps, you don't need it. You know, it's yeah. it's not necessary. You're going to live a much better life if you don't get on now, because this is a path that will continue for a very long time. Social media is not really an entity that's built for you to jump on and easily jump out. So I think to, to parents, I'd say, one, I, I agree, delay as long as possible, um, because I think it provides your child more space to just grow and to appreciate the world around them. But also, you know, if if social media is given and if teens are kind of falling into a loop and are falling into this addiction, I think honest, kind conversations are the best way to go. I know I've I've talked a lot within Log Off about gener- generational disconnect, and it can be so difficult because as a member of Gen Z, I've lived almost my entire life surrounded by technology and my childhood is defined by social media. And I know that that can be extremely difficult to other generations and parents, especially right now, that didn't have that. I've talked with my mom before about like she and her siblings would just like jump off rocks and the roof and like record stuff. And like they had a great childhood completely removed from devices. So I can see how hard it can be for parents and older members of generations to understand the compulsive need to be on these apps, especially during early and later childhood. But I'd say to parents, just really the way that you approach the conversations about digital well-being and delaying is just so important because, you know, teens want to go on these apps because, you know, largely in my experience, because of societal pushes and because of this compulsive need that people have told them they have to be on. So, you know, just approaching those conversations with care. And then once teens are on, if they're struggling trying to get them to gain their own agency, I think is really important. I think framing conversations around, you know, do you think that you have control over social media? You know, do you think this is harming you? I'm here for you. I I just want to make sure that, you know, you have complete control over the situation that you're in right now. I think framing it like that can be really, really helpful. And I know for me and for my friends, that's been the best, you know, plan of attack when talking with children. Um, But again, I know that these conversations can be super difficult. And a lot of times what people need and what kids need is just a supportive community. 
So that's one thing that I really am so grateful for with Log Off. I finally found and gained a community of just teens that support each other through their digital wellness journeys, gaining new resources to help themselves, and also just having an outlet to push forth change together as a united front. So if that is what a teen needs, if they need to find that community, if they need that support, I think Log Off can be a really great resource just because, you know, it's teen based. We're all working together and it's it's a really, really cool teen outlet. So I'd say to any teen, if you want to jump in or if you want that outlet, we want you to. We are really, really happy to um, incorporate any new voices into the movement. Love it. So tell us, where can people find you? Where's the best place that people can get connected with Log Off Movement? Yeah, so our website is logoffmovement.org. That's where almost all of our resources are housed. Again, we're not anti-social media, so we have Instagram where we post a lot of our initiatives and projects. That is also one of the best places to, you know, for parents or for anyone if if their kid is on social media and they want to just nudge them in in a digital wellness direction, I'd say follow us there, but um, mainly our website and mainly our new technicallypolitics.org is also a place where people can find us and look through our legislative advocacy work. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, I hope you all enjoyed listening. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and your teenagers. Um, Screen Strong is a nonprofit organization, so we depend on donations to keep our mission going. Feel free to head over to our website to donate, which is ScreenStrong.com. That's where you can learn more about our seven-day Screen Strong Challenge and our free Kids, Brains, and Screens 101 educational experience. Just go to the Learn tab on the site, and that's where you'll find that. Um, if you're looking for a like-minded community on this topic, you can join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group where you'll find support from other parents just like you. If you're interested in joining or starting your own in-person Screen Strong group for kids or for parents, you can now register to be a Screen Strong representative in your community. You can find this on our website under the Families tab, or you can always email us at team at screenstrong.com for more information. So remember, we've got your back and we're here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, Stand out from the crowd and stay strong.